<laughs> Hi. Okay, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. This is the second sermon I'm going to really preach at this KUC. Today, March 31st, is the fourth Sunday of the Lent. The passage just Fujimoto-san just read is a very famous story. Two weeks ago, as Pastor Mark mentioned, that Luke's one of the main themes is for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This theme again echoes in this passage as a prodigal son. It seems that the main character would be the younger son, but this story is not about just this son. And it is such a rich story to learn from. Well then, let us take a look at the development of the story. Before that, let us pray. Dear Lord, we are learning from your parable this morning. And please help us to open our spiritual eyes and ears to listen to your story. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. Amen. 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 The original audience to this parable consisted of two groups. First, there are the tax collectors and the sinners, and they were morally corrupt and a despised member of the society. And the second group was the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They were the religious leaders and who studied the Bible and kept the law. And they were highly respected by the society. In verse 2, the Pharisees were grumbling about the fact that Jesus ate with tax collectors and the sinners. Why does Jesus hang around the sinners and tax collectors? They are the losers, the lost people. And in response to that, Jesus tells a story. Actually, he told the three stories. The first two lost and found stories Jesus spoke. And that had very happy endings. However, the third story, the prodigal son, doesn't have a simple happy ending. In the first scene, verse 11, Jesus continued that there was a man who had two sons. And the younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. No longer after that, the younger son got together all he had set off to a distant country. The wealth of the father at that time would have been the land real estate, and livestock. Moreover, Leviticus 25-23 says, the land must not be sold permanently. As Jesus is talking to the Jews of those days who knew this teaching, the audience must have been surprised at the request that might violate Jewish rules. Besides, son is asking his father for his inheritance while his father is still alive, couldn't be more rude. It is like telling the father, I won't go on with my life as if you are dead. The younger son's way of living was he finds his happiness in the money he received, and he wants to live freely without his father. 
This represents sinners' way of living. On the other hand, what was the elder son's belief at that time? If you look at verse 29, it says, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. This elder son is a good son and always obeyed his father. This means he represents Pharisees and the religious leaders. What would the audience have thought towards the disrespectful remark to the younger son, to the father? They must have imagined that the father was furious with the outrageous request by the son. However, the father says, verse 12, so he divided his property between them. They must have been quite shocked by it. It is not a normal attitude for the dignified father in the Middle East. The father acknowledges his son's request as it is. He, doesn't, he does not attempt to stop sons from leaving. The father accepts whatever the sons wishes. And this is a sight of a helpless father who does not force or press his authority over a son. The second scene, verse 13 to 17, in summary, the younger son squandered his whole inheritance. Everything he had is gone, and no one gave him anything, says the Bible. The younger son was offered the job of looking after pigs. As you may know, pigs are considered unclean animals amongst the Jews. This was a despised job that would bring utter shame on him. But he takes it out of desperation. It is not until he is literally in the pig pen that he comes to his senses and he realizes what a fool he has been. He said in verse 17, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. While the younger son was in trouble with his own sowing, the father was patiently looking into the horizon, waiting for him. He does not expect words of repentance, but just keenly waiting. This is a picture of a sad and helpless father appearing in this story. The third scene is a climax of this story. Younger son finally realized his own foolishness after he lost all his inheritance. He expressed his regret, saying in verse 18 to 21, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. These words show the reality of the younger son who had left the father the realization of the without father and God. It was his awareness and preparedness that he can no longer return to his original state of son anymore. This is a consciousness of the younger son, a sinner who reached real repentance while the father was looking far away for his son. Verse 20, the father saw his son and was filled with compassion for him. 
he ran to his son and threw his arm around him and kissed him. And he put the best robe on him and the ring on his finger. He killed a fattened calf for his son. For, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. Father addressed his son as dead two times in verse 24 and 32. The son who refused to have a relationship with his father was dead in sin and dead. In other words, life without a good relationship with father and God is in sin and dead. Returning to the father and God and restoring a relationship means repentance and a new life. Meanwhile, the eldest son had been walking out in the fields. Upon approaching the house, he heard music and dancing. And this is a party going on. And he, he is told, your brother has come home. If elder brother loved his brother, he would have jumped straight into the party. But did he enter the house? No, he didn't go inside. He was suspicious. In this story, Jesus says, older brother became angry and refused to go in. Okay, in the story so far, which person do you sympathize with? Is the elder brother or younger brother or father? Children may say, a fattened calf. Then, who is a person you cannot sympathize with the most? I'm sure most of us have heard the sermon of this prodigal son before. Therefore, we know more or less what the message is. However, we found the intriguing uh, article reported the reaction that the Japanese students heard this story. In 2013, Mr. Sawamura of Hiroshima Jogakun University asked 286 female students. And the question was, with whom the students were able to sympathize? And the students sympathized most was, hmm, the elder son's feeling and attitudes as not being able to sympathize, the father who accepted the younger son was the highest. The overall interpretive tendency is sympathetic to the elder son and the critical of the father. I wonder if you would agree with this. Younger son wanted to be free from father and to enjoy a life with his inheritance. If he had money, enough money, he can buy happiness. But if the whole outlook of our life was based on money and wealth, the good relationship with God may be ignored or lost. And this lack of relationship with God is a root of sin. In the end, this younger son wasted all his money and lost everything. And it is his sins keeping him away from the Father and God. 
Then the elder son, on the other hand, says to his father, When this son of yours who has squandered your property with a prostitute comes home, he was very angry, and he didn't even call his youngest brother as his brother. These cruel words he uttered lacked any speck of love for his brother, as if he disregards anyone who steps outside of the rules. To him, his anger was justified within him, because he has been good and righteous by keeping his father's commandments. But what was another aspect of the elder son's indignation? Why he was so angry? Well, think about it. The father divided his wealth between two brothers. Younger son was already taken off with his share. Then all the remaining property, land, livestock, belongs to the elder son. The father put on the best robe and the ring on his um, younger son. Both robe and ring that was supposed to be awarded to the elder son. So his anger was pointed towards his father for spending his properties. Why are you celebrating for this useless one with my property? Judging from his words and attitudes, although he says that he's a good son who has been serving his father all these years, in fact, the elder son was thinking that only him who remained good and obedient deserved reward from the father. His eyes are on the property. He was not serving his father out of love and joy. In other words, the elder brother also doesn't have the right relationship with his father. There was another reality that he wasn't faithful to the father at all. In fact, he was judgmental and self-righteous. Having said, he is a judgmental and self-righteous. Now remember, I said, the Japanese student in Hiroshima was sympathetic most to the elder son. So why was that? Let, let's think about it for a moment. Society looks up to success, strong individuals, and authority. In general, vulnerable people drops out and the sinners are considered losers. In the world where such principle prevails, the legitimacy of the elder son is held in high regards. On the other hand, the criticism to the father seems to be deflected by the mindset of the people who are looking down on the helpless and weak and the powerless. Probably, to be honest, don't we find the elder son's feeling relatable? Two years ago, I attended All Souls Church in London, where I met Moses a long time ago. I cannot forget what the Reverend Tim Chester said. Is there someone who came to church this morning thinking that I am in right before God compared to the people who are not going to church? Such people have a wrong motive to come to church. That was what he said. 
Outwardly, we attend the church. We follow the rules, we give, we serve, we think. We have a right to be a part of God's kingdom because we have been following the Christian teachings and we are a little better than most people. While we are considering ourselves as a faithful, good person, we might already be lost. Likewise, the elder son is not lost in spite of his goodness. He is lost because of his goodness and his self-righteousness. It's not his actual sins that is keeping him away from the Father. It's his goodness. This is an example from which we can learn that our goodness at times could also be keeping us away from God. Maybe we don't even notice that we are doing it. Like the elder son who was with his father all the time, that is, he was with God all the time. But his heart was filled with self-righteousness. And this is a shocking paradox which we learned this morning. We believe that we are with God, but we need to ask ourselves, what is our heart filled with? Have we also fallen into the same pitfall the elder son has? Friends, this story is not the mere parable spoken to sinners and the Pharisees by Jesus more than 2,000 years ago. As you can see, Jesus is speaking to us now. This morning, if some of us feel or notice that we are cultivating this self-righteous anger within us, we may need God's help. Maybe we need to pray that we don't let me be like that elder son who robbed pride and self-righteousness. Finally, let us look at what we can learn from the father. I told you this is a rich story. When the father put up his property for sale, everyone in the village would have been known, would have known exactly why he was selling it. The younger son must have brought great shame and distress to the father. On the other hand, the elder son is so full of pride for being good he enjoys judging his own brother. Did the father scold his elder son? No. The father goes out to plead to him and said, You are always with me. And I said that all of mine is yours. The father tells the elder son, who is just as lost as the younger son, Living with me at home is my most important gift to you, sharing my love and working together through life. What I have been offering you all these years is not the land or money or clothes, not the ring or calf. It's me. If living at home with me is not enough, then all the parties, all the property in the world will not satisfy you. The father takes upon himself the pain, the shame, the humiliation of the defiant young son and his lost, self-righteous, angry elder son. 
This father waits for his son every day, looking in the distance horizon. He is also waiting for the elder son to come back to his senses and join the party and rejoice together the return of the younger brother. Here Jesus is speaking of the real character of God, helpless father who pays an enormous price to extend grace to his lost sons. Doesn't this remind us of what our heavenly father sacrificed on the cross? Friends, this is a such amazing picture of what took place on, on cross. Friends, yes, when our Heavenly Father sacrificed His only Son, who was nailed and crucified on the cross, unable to move His limbs, and He no longer having a place to stand on the ground in order to extend His grace to us. God is still waiting for the elder son and us if we realize that we are not in the right relationship with God, God waits for us to turn around towards him. And just like the younger son did. And wonderfully, God will run to us, embrace us, and hug us, and kiss us many times. He accepts us as a child, not as a servant. The father clothes his his son with his very own robe. That robe represents a robe of righteousness provided through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a garment that God covers each of us with so that when he looks at us, he only sees us washed in white. Hebrew 10:17 says, our sins he remembers no more. That robe is a symbol to us that we are accepted and considered not guilty before the Lord. And God prepares a feast for us. During the Lent season, it is a good opportunity for us to examine our relationship with God. We may realize that sometimes we can be lost like the two sons, but God is not rebuking us, but instead waiting for us return to him. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, through 2,000 years, you have been speaking to us this parable, saying this is your story. Please forgive us that at times we may be acting like the two sons and help us to examine our hearts. Lord, we thank you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Amen.